I invite you to grab your Bible now. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 37. So page 1198 in the Pew Bible. Remember, as the elders come and visit with you throughout this year, they're tasked to bring you the Word of God, and sometimes they ask for a theme, something to keep their thoughts together. And this year, the elders of the church are bringing to you in your homes and when they meet with you, a message about the fear of God. It's a very difficult subject. It's lost these days, probably in the last hundred years. But I want to draw your attention to God's word about the fear of God in this section of Luke chapter 11 and 12. And uh, may the Lord add his blessing to the scripture that we're reading right now. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 37. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and sat down to eat. When that Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness, foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe, that means give a 10% of mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. And one of the lawyers, and by the way, the word lawyer, this is not a modern-day lawyer. This is one who studies the law of God back then. The Jewish lawyers are those who know the Bible. You would say they're the most like a pastor back then. One of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple, yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering you hindered. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him, and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of 
the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. What you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, he will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So far the word of God. After the sermon, we're going to sing from the uh, provisional, the supplement of psalms and hymns. And we're going to sing Amazing Grace, that's on page 50. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ our Lord. Imagine you could get rid of everything you're afraid of. What if you had no anxiety? Imagine a world with no fear. And if there's ever a time in world history where we've had it so good and so little to fear, it's this time. Like so many luxuries that we have, so little suffering, good health care. so much energy available, like energy for taking care of hard work. Machines, we have automation, so much food, so much nutrition available, yet we fear, we have anxieties unlike nations and worlds and ages past. We fear everything. Did I forget to shut the oven off? Did I forget to lock the door? What if, and you're doing the what ifs all day long, we have this overriding theme for the, the visits that the elders bring to you, the fear of God. And here's an easy starting point for the elders. They're probably going to ask you, what are you afraid of? What kinds of things work up anxiety in your life? and worry because not one of us is without worry and fear and then then we can talk about what it means to fear God the fear of God you should know that the Bible has this expression all over it 
The Bible has different words, and, and sometimes your translators, you have a translation, and they're a little bit worried that you might think it's fear, and so they might throw in something gentle, like awe, reverence, respect. Take the edge off of it. Does it actually mean being terrified and afraid? I want you to think about why fear is a good word for this. Fear can't be turned off. It's the one emotion that absolutely consumes you. You see a spider, and if you're a person who's scared of spiders, you can't... Everybody could stand up and say, don't be scared of it. And that does nothing. Because... And you could be right now thinking, did I leave my oven on? Because the pastor just mentioned the oven thing, and I wonder if I left it on. And we could all stand up and say, oh... No, your oven's not on. Just don't worry. Don't fear. It's not going to work. Nothing helps fear because it absolutely consumes every thought and every moment. And that why, that's why this word is so important. There is only one fear that can answer all other fears. And it's the fear of God. I want you to think of this. The fear of God, whatever we learn about it, is the one fear that scares all fears away. That's why we're looking at Luke 12. It's going to speak of certain kinds of fears that the people have. And Jesus is going to say, you don't fear enough. That's your problem. He's going to do a few things in Luke 12 here. He's going to show us that fearing God is not just an Old Testament thing because Jesus himself is teaching it. And he'll show us that fearing God is fearful like where your knees knock. I could die. That kind of fear. And you'll hear Jesus speak of hell. I meet Christians who say fearing God is just an Old Testament thing. Or fearing God is not about being scared. And I could pull up a text like Philippians 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God at work. And you have this in the New Testament. You have fear in the New Testament. It doesn't help. A Christian will say, God never motivates people with fear. God never scares people out of hell into heaven. Well, what about Luke 12? Let's look at Luke 12, because Jesus says this, I tell you, fear him who has power to cast into hell. And it's not a slip-up. He'll say it again. I tell you, fear him. So the message I'm bringing is simple. Fear God. First point, do not fear them, the people. Secondly, fear the God of hell. And thirdly, I hope we get there, the fear of, fear the God of heaven, because that's in this chapter, great comfort. Hang with me, hang in there. Luke 12 begins with Luke 11, and I want to point out, you know who the crowd was afraid of back then? Those Jews? People. That's the background. The fear of man, it's called in the Bible. Just one kind of fear at that time, and, and that, was, that was obsessing them. 
They were consumed by the fear of people. Not, did I leave my oven on? Not, will I get it through this some sort of illness or virus or COVID? But what will they think of me? That's the fear they were handling. And this is pretty real. If you just think about that one kind of fear, how many of us, I'm sure most of us, has, have been dealing with that fear this very morning. The fear of man. For example, how much of your Sunday morning isn't filled with the fear of man about how you dressed this morning? Right? You might have thought about, what's best for me as I come to meet with God and His people? What should I be wearing? How should I be dressed? And, but more likely, you're remembering some certain comments made by some certain people, I'll wear this to keep him or her off my back. Or maybe you've stayed home this morning. Maybe you're just streaming uh, or getting the podcast because this fear is all-consuming. All these people here raise your anxiety levels through the roof. Totally understandable. Maybe you're gathered here and the fear of man is deciding for you where you sit in church this morning. Where you can see other people and not so many people can see you with their eyeballs drilling in the back of your head. Or other hand, maybe what, you, what you're doing is so that people can notice you. You, want, you might want people to think, here is a good person. Maybe that's you. I want people to know this is how a godly person sings or pays attention This is how someone who is close to God lives. Look at me. The fear of God happens, I mean, the fear of man happens throughout the worship service. We're not immune to it. We're just like the people long ago. It's already there in Luke 11, because the Lord Jesus is dealing with this entire culture of fear. He faces these religious leaders head on. Woe to you, Pharisees. You lack the fear of God, and you thrive on the fear of man. And the Lord Jesus calls them hypocrites. Why? Is it just to make an insult? No, it's because hypocrite is the word for actor. They put on a show. On the outside, it looks one way. So Jesus Christ is speaking about washing your hands cleansing the cup and the dish. Chapter 11, verse 39. Inside, you are full of greed and wickedness. On the outside, it looks like you're tithing everything. Like you're giving 10% back to God. You're so generous. You're, you're taking your little flower garden and you look at, well, one in 10 plants belongs to God, so I'm going to give it to Him. But you neglect justice and mercy and love. And you love the best seats in the synagogues. You love the greetings. You love the recognition of people. The point is, they had this, as we have it today, religious leaders love attention and they're hollow. So many of them are hollow in their hearts. They look like they're close to God. They look like they're righteous on the outside, but on the inside, not so righteous. And this is really important what Jesus is doing because these people are setting the standard. 
you are just an ordinary believer, you would be looking up to these leaders and you would be respecting them, fearing them a bit. And you would be doing things, I hope they notice me. I've been trying to be really good this week, I hope they notice I put in some effort. And that fear of man is controlling you. It's controlling you. You can't just shut it off. And their religious society was so orderly. It was manageable. It's amazing how well their religious society was working out. How nice and behaved, well-ordered they were. Their kids never raised a fuss in church. Everything in the worship services was done decently and in good order. And Jesus points out, you you know the fear of man can explain all this, right? With enough fear and intimidation, we could have a really orderly society. The end of Luke 11. As you're turning there to read those verses, just before you get to Luke 12, notice all the danger. And uh, I, I like the gospel writer Luke. He's one of my favorites because being a doctor, he never skips out on details. He has a keen eye and he records everything. Um, He makes sure that you know there's all sorts of danger that's going on. Nothing is safe. And his answer, by the way, his answer to the fear, Christ's answer is not going to be, oh, it's no big deal. You will never hear that in the Bible. That This is how you deal with fear and anxiety. Oh, just tell yourself it's not a big deal. That's baloney. Look what's happening here. All the fear is stacking up. Nothing is safe at the end of the chapter. You hear Jesus' life being threatened, right? Verse 53, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently, which is like, attack him. And to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. Man, that's a lot of words to say they were out to get him. You think it's safe? They're out to get Jesus. Then, look at verse 1 of the next chapter. Chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled on one another. You think it's safe? How about this crowd that's self-destructing? They're trampling on each other. They squish you. They, they don't care about you. Do you think it's safe to be around people? No, it's not. So what's the first thing Jesus says? Oh, watch where you're stepping, people. Be careful with each other, okay? No, he says... Watch out for something far more dangerous than you've ever noticed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That is what's not safe at all. That's the issue. It's a teaching. That's the virus. You're outside. On the outside of you. This hypocrisy is saying one thing, acting one way, looking all decent, but inwardly it's got the opposite going on. And this is what's absolutely dangerous. You can put this thin veneer of shiny niceness on the outside, but what's going on on the inside? 
this is what's really dangerous. Because what's on the inside is absolutely toxic. This is like nuclear waste spilling out from the religious leaders. When they open their mouth, their teaching is wrong and evil and deadly. Your hearts are not right. That's, that's how we're set up as we approach this few verses here. Look at verses 2 and 3. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in, in, in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. You notice what Jesus is doing here? He's saying all this pretending to be good, all the pretending to be righteous, it's going to come to an end. It's going to be uncovered. Think of the coming day of judgment when you stand before God. You might have been up to that point convincing a lot of people how good you were. You might have had a lot of respect. You might have looked fine on the outside. But you've got a thing coming. That's what Jesus is saying. And I need to pause for a moment because dealing with hypocrisy nowadays, this is 2023. And most everyone hates it when other people are hypocritical. And you have this motto, this message of be genuine, right? That's today. Be yourself. And I really want you to hear what Jesus Christ is saying because, because he's warning you about hypocrisy and you might think, oh, oh, that means stop acting. All right. I've got to be my genuine, my true self I'm just going to be consistent from now on, and it's time I stopped pretending to be a Christian. I'm out of here. If you think being genuine is the answer, think again. Because if you're going to be true to yourself, are you going to be true to your sinful self? So you hear Jesus say this be true to yourself. Seriously? That's the problem. Because what's inside yourself, what's in your heart, if your heart is empty, there's no faith, there's no hope, there's no love, there is hell. And are you hearing Jesus Christ say, don't try to please people? Just leave your heart empty. You hear Jesus say, don't be true to yourself. Don't be true to your unbelief. That is hell. Don't be a genuine unbeliever, okay? That is hell. And he's getting to this. You've got a thing coming. Luke 12. There's one kind of fear of all the fears Jesus is going to speak about that in his preaching. He's taken that one fear of man example and he says, verse 4, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that they can do no more. Realistically, they can kill you. They can absolutely cancel you. And they were doing that already to Jesus Christ, attacking him vehemently, lying in wait for him, seeking to catch him, that they might accuse him. If your heart is hollow, if you are without faith, this fear of man will obsess you. 
And Jesus says, I say to you, my friends. What's he call you? My friends. On a heavy topic like this. And he's speaking of hell. And he says, I say to you, my friends. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. What's the worst that can happen? They can take your freedoms from you. Take your money, your home, your family. They could persecute you. They could imprison you. They could kill you. That's it. I don't think you fear enough. That's the first point Jesus makes. Do not be afraid of them. Is it because they aren't scary fears that you have going on? People are fearful. You are afraid of them. They are dangerous, Jesus is saying. They trample. They teach false religion. They murder. But you need a fear that's even greater yet. You don't fear enough. That's what Jesus is getting at. So let's go to our second point here. I know it's going to take a while, but you must fear God of hell. You must fear the God of hell. Now I'm looking at verse 5. If you follow along, Luke 12, verse 5. Jesus says, But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. He's speaking of his Father. But how has Jesus been called... Addressing you? Who's he calling the crowd? He begins with my friends. And he's saying, my friends, you should fear God. He has power and he has authority to cast into hell. And, and this is a difficult subject. It's a touchy subject. I met Jesus Christ teaching about hell. And the Bible speaks of hell as real. A real experience and a real literal place. Like a place of burning sulfur. And this teaching is absolutely important for what Jesus is saying. Because we start with worry and anxiety. What people think is one example. But what is hell? It's a place of eternal torment. It's a place where what people think is running every day, every moment, non-stop, 24-7, you are always condemned. What is hell? It's the place where crowds of people eternally trample on you. It's where persecution goes on and on. And Jesus begins with this, my friends, I'm not sure you understand this right now. God has placed you in uncomfortable situations, unpleasant situations. People are judging you right now. People are hurting you. In some ways, they're trampling on you, but I don't think you see enough yet. Think about this. God has power to place you into hell. That's a whole nother level. So don't be stupid, my friends. That's what you're hearing Jesus say. Fear Him. The answer to your fears, I hope you see it, is not to fear less, but to fear more. Jesus is saying, my Father makes all fears shake like a leaf. My Father, speaking of hell, 
Jesus is saying, my father can take all the fears that you have and bottle them up. Put a lid on it and toss it away. That's hell. Okay? Literally, that is hell. All the fears bottled up, capped, and put away. And your God has such power. My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing He cannot do. And I want you, especially children, think about this. God can put a lid on hell, on everything uncomfortable, all kinds of suffering. That is, that is pretty good news, isn't it? Because right now, we, you might think that this is hell. Like you go through uncomfortable things. You might be facing fears. You might be fearing people. And that is, no one's saying that's, that's comfortable. But do you fear God? Do you fear God who puts people and everything frightening into hell? And children, you understand this. You know how sometimes you're afraid. All you have to do is point to someone scarier than your, fra- than your fears. Right? When you're afraid, especially when you're like four years old, you'd point to your dad and say, watch out for my dad. If somebody's scaring you, you point to someone stronger than you, you say, watch out for him. And that's what you're hearing Jesus say. Except, it's not your dad. It's your father in heaven. This third thing I want to point out now, we're at our third point from the Lord Jesus, is your father in heaven. You should fear the God of heaven. And if you've made it this far, if you can track along with me so far, you've heard the tender compassion along the way. As he talks about hell, Jesus has looked at the crowds and seen them trampled. He's warned you about the poison of the Pharisees, the hypocrisy that kills. And he says to you, my friends, my friends. And that's not only the good news here. Jesus is going to be speaking of heaven in a moment in in verse 8. But don't you think, I don't think you'll appreciate what he's saying unless you understand what Jesus has first said about hell and about fear. And I don't want you to soften the word fear so that fear doesn't mean shaking and trembling and, and being scared. I want you to imagine the best news can be terrifying. The best news can be terrifying. I'm going to read my notes here. See if you can imagine something hellish, like wartime. Imagine you are a military peacekeeper in Afghanistan. After being captured by the Taliban, you somehow managed to escape the dungeon, and you were sneaking out past the guards. You're trying to get to your extraction point to be rescued, and you've, it's nighttime, you're tuned in to every sound. The alert has gone out, and you hear people pursuing you. Tanks, planes, helicopters, they're searching for you. Imagine this, the enemy's chasing you at night, and you are terrified. Dogs on your trail, 
You have no supplies, you have no water, and you're in the desert. I'm describing hell for you, just a moment. Suddenly you hear something worse. And this terrifies you even more because it's coming from straight ahead where you are going. And it's the sound of huge gunships, right? Gunships, those are helicopters and airplanes, basically guns with wings attached. They have perfect night vision. I don't care who you are, but that is terrifying. And what do you do? You dive face down onto the dirt. But would it, would it or would it not make a difference that those guns aimed are aimed above you and behind you at your enemy? Would it or would it not make a difference that those allied those are allied gunships on your side, like the Apache helicopter or the A-10 Warthog, whose cannons put out 4,000 rounds a minute. These three-centimeter bullets, they're, they're called tank busters for a reason. All that fear, all that terror, all that might and power, you realize, is aimed at your enemy. So think about the fear of God in the Bible. It's called fear for a reason. It's absolutely got your full attention. But it's the one fear that makes all fears shrivel up. This is the one fear that brings you grace, redemption, salvation. This is your rescue. This is your hope. This is your joy. What is the absolutely most deadly scenario is your life and you get rescued. Notice, let's go back to verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered do not fear, therefore. Don't fear all those wee, piddly little fears like men. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I'm getting to the point of heaven, but just a second here. You have to notice my friends in verse 4. And you are of more value than many little tiny birds. You have to notice this, this, and you have to feel this. If God is for you, what can man do to you? Seriously, what can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? That's Romans 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is, this is pointing to who you are. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you could never be any safer than in the fear of God. If you are in Christ, this is the best news ever because the guns of God, they're aimed at all your fears and with the slightest touch of His trigger, He could obliterate everything you're afraid of. He's got more than 4,000 rounds a minute. Annihilate your fears. And what does Jesus say? Fear Him. Fear God. Let His Word, let His presence, let His Holy Spirit quiet you down. Do you know His mercy? His forgiveness is absolutely 
awesome. Let that quiet you down. He destroys the guilt, all the accusations of Satan by the blood of Jesus Christ. So think about it. His spoken word is the one who makes someone who is dead alive. This is your Savior. Just by His word. He's cast demons into hell. So Jesus says, do not fear them. Jesus says, fear God. And if you remember, He shows you how He does this. Jesus Christ does. He's always, in His earthly ministry, always looked up to God's gunships. Men are scheming to attack, to accuse, to kill me, he says. They're coming to capture me in the Garden of Gethsemane, to arrest me, to crucify me. But you know my Father? He's saying this to his disciples while everything is threatening to attack him. He says, you know my Father? You know his firepower? I don't think you fear him enough. Matthew 22, verse 52 Do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, he says to the disciples, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Now, the Roman military, they had a legion at the upper end. It was probably like 6,000 or 7,000 men in one legion, soldiers. So just in a literal sense, Jesus is saying, do you not think that I can now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than... 12 legions, or like, he could scramble 72,000 angels here in three nanoseconds. Why are you even afraid? You see, he fights fear with fear. I know the fear of God, he says. Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 11 verse 3 says, the son of man, he's going to delight in the fear of the Lord. This is what gives him joy. He knows his Father, and it's his delight that God in heaven can make anything tremble. He delights in the fear of the Lord. So this is the God of heaven in verse 8. You hear this. You might think it's another topic, but follow with me in verse 8. The God of heaven whom you should fear. I say to you, whoever confesses me before men... Him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. And this is again dealing with a crowd that's fearful, afraid of men, afraid of what other people might think. And you might be put out of the synagogue for confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In real terms, you might be nervous about what your neighbor thinks when you speak of Jesus, when you live for Jesus Christ. You're afraid of what they might think about you. And Jesus says, if you dare to speak of me and confess me, like say the truth about me, I'm going to say the truth about you in heaven before the angels. You hear this? This is about the God of heaven here. In God's presence, I will say I know this man, I know this woman, I know this boy, this girl. We know each other. They fear you, Jesus says. 
I want you to meditate on what the Lord Jesus is saying here. God is terrifying. I don't want you to downplay that at all. He is judge. He has power to cast into hell, we hear. And He has power to bring you into heaven. And Jesus says, if you are with me, if you're not shy about me, not covering it up, not putting it on like an act, I can do way more than put in a good word for you. I'm the reason your father loves you. I'm the reason your father cares for you. I'm the reason you are more precious than any sparrows. I am your savior. Fear him. Don't let anything distract you from his awesome power, might, splendor, holiness. He is awesome. In closing, drawing your attention to an old hymn. People used to understand, they used to speak of the fear of God back in the day when they had way more to fear about than we do these days. People used to use the Bible's language about fear. So amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's verse 2. When we get to verse 2, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear God." That's what it's saying. I encountered grace, and it was my rescue. He extracted me from hell. He delivered me. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." And then the next part, "'And grace my fears relieved. He delivered me from Satan, delivered me from the fear of man, all the things that make me anxious. Grace will teach you the fear of God. Grace will relieve you of your fears. Amen.